Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 101 for Monday, February 6th, 2017. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. How you doing, Paul Kent? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. It's nice. Uh, it, you know, I, I obviously loved the interview that we did last time with Kenny Aronoff. I mean, so cool. It, it was so cool. It also, it, like as I started the theme music for this show, I thought, oh, this is nice. Like, it, not that uh, I don't always feel compelled and driven to deliver a good episode for all of our listeners, but admittedly, the pressure's a little lower when it's just you and I, because, uh, you know, we, we have each other. And, and, uh, and so, you know, the pressure was high with Kenny turned out to be one of the most laid back things we've ever done. High paced, but laid back. So there you go. Yeah. He, he kind of brings you up to that pace. doesn't he, he does. I I was worried about you. Cause like, you know, I'm usually Mr. Energy and then Kenny like has like more energy than you and I times 10. So it was like, <laughs> wow, Paul, Paul has to deal with, you know, he's used to dealing with one crazy hyper drummer. Now we have like this hyper drummer on rails. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, I'm doing a project with Nick, the keyboard player in the house rockers. Yeah. He's doing a, a 50th birthday party and he um, is bringing together the three or four bands that he's played with most in his life. Yeah. And he's mixing and matching a couple of guys and I'm getting a chance to play with the bliss ninnies, which is, you know, you know them from yeah. your, from your jam band day. So I'm getting a chance to play, uh, four songs with them and, uh, they have a drummer who would be a soul brother to you. Uh, Mark Danley, a great drummer, really, really great. He kind of drums like animal, like he just kind of goes into his own world. You're when I drum with you, when you're drumming with me, you're very focused. Like you're looking around the stage, you're like locking in on people. Occasionally, you'll kind of like disappear into your groove. But you I have find to you, sometimes, yeah. But well, I like to go. be, I like to be aware and interactive. Is, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. But this drummer and the Bustinis is just a trip for me because he's gone, man. He is like. Eyes disappeared, enjoying the vibe. I mean, but I bet you can tell he's listening, right? I mean, he's like reacting. Yeah, okay, so he's very present, just not visually. So, yeah, yeah, really, really terrific drummer. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, that's fun. I have a question for you. Yeah, man, have you ever played a protest or uh, you know a a political event? Um, yes, but we didn't realize it when we were doing it. Um, Was it? It was in college. Actually, man, I haven't thought about this since the day it happened. There was this this gig in uh, like in the the big field in front of our student union where there were all sorts of things. And it was like in the fall or whatever. And we got there early and set up. This was the, the band I played in college called Go Figure at the time. Absolutely the biggest band on campus. It was great. Right. Um, and uh and and so, you know, we played gigs like this all the time. So it just wasn't a big it. it, it we didn't ask a lot of questions is, is really it, it was always a big deal because there were always people there and all that stuff. But we didn't ask a lot of questions. So we get there and we set up and we do our thing. And then before we played, it became it was this. I forget. Honestly, I, I forget what the rally was because we were like backstage. But I'm like, we're hearing people crying into the microphones about like, you know, something that they were going through. And it was like, uh, Jeff. 
what is this that we're doing here? <laughs> like it was, it was a little weird. Cause then we had to go and I mean, it was this very somber thing and I, they were, they were obviously it was, there was a cause and they were upset about something. Um, but, uh, but then, you know, we get on stage and we're playing like our happy version of like funky, <laughs> funky stuff. We played mostly originals, but, um, and everybody knew them. It was great, but, um, it was just a weird thing. It was like, uh, we're still going to start with a uh, humbebbly. I mean, that's kind of a upbeat thing, man. It was like, yeah, yeah. we got to change the vibe. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the only time I can remember doing anything where it was obvious that, that, um, it wasn't, you know, it, it was like th- there, there could have been two sides to whatever story was going on to this day. I couldn't tell you what it was, but it was two women on stage, absolutely bawling their eyes out, very passionate about something. And it was like, yeah, I, I can't. And, and perhaps this is the, the reason I don't remember, because it was like, I can't get involved. Like I'm, I'm already involved probably at a level beyond which the band should be. Mm. So it's like, you know, let's just, let's just go on stage and let's just go play and do our thing. Cause we can't, we, you know, we can't go on stage and be somber. That's not what this band is. And, and they yep. obviously everyone that's here, that's going to see this band that's seen it at least once before knows that. So that's just how that's going to be. Got it. I don't know. You know. It seems like in, uh, in this U S political climate, there's a lot of events going on now. Yeah. And um, it's an interesting thing because what do you do? Like, I guess it's a band wide thing, but does everybody in the band need to be on the same page politically in order to do these things? Is it disingenuous if you're not, if it, is it, uh, you know, how would you handle it? If, if, uh, you know, side A or side B asked you to come and play a gig, you just ask the band how they feel about it. And, you know, some guys, some guys will prioritize their politics. Some guys will prioritize just get a chance to play music. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I've never been approached that way, so I don't know how I'd handle it. But we were talking about this at the dinner table the other night. Well, not the other night, but a couple of weeks ago, there was that Springsteen cover band, right? Yeah, that, that was in that Good story. Th- yeah, and interestingly, they right they were supposed they were scheduled to play the recent presidential inauguration, which, as it turns out, was of course for President Donald Trump. But when they took the gig in 2003, I think, or, you know, two, oh, no, sorry, 2013. Sorry, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Uh, but they, they signed the contract for this gig in 2013. So they didn't even know who was going to be on the ticket, let alone right. like we didn't have an incumbent. There was no, you know, no indication as to who it might be that would actually have won the election and, and then, you know, be there. And they've done a ton of these. And, uh, you know, and they had to bail out on it because they started getting – it was just too much attention. Well, that's the lesson. It's, it now becomes identifiable with your brand. Right. And but is it that was a good thing. It was, not a good well, yeah, it was from both sides. They said it's, they said it's just too much. We're being squeezed in the middle here. It's like, we're just a, a Springsteen cover band. Like, well, you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, part of that story is that, um, or at least part of what I read about when yeah. they, you know, they felt a little bit of a kinship to the person they were covering. To Springsteen, which, right. Yeah, yeah. Who has, yeah that's who our has loyalty right there. No, no qualms in stating his position. On Correct. Him. Correct. Yeah. So I, but I, yeah, I think it was like, all right, look, you know, we're just like, this is, this is far more political than a, we're interested in and B than it ever has been before, you know, because they played other ones. This wouldn't have been their first. I think they've done like, what, you know, five or six of them or something. Right. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't blame them for bailing out. And it seemed like neither did the 
uh, inauguration committee, whoever it is that was organizing it, you know, they made a statement that was actually very understanding and kind about that. Like, yeah, no, look, we get it. You know, they probably won't get booked for the next one, though, because that's how that stuff works. You know, you bail out two weeks before. Okay, we understand. We also understand. You understand we won't be calling you again. We're all good. So, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. How about you? You have you played any uh, political gigs or any gigs? No, at all I lately? haven't. And, yeah, okay. and one of the well, I've played a couple of gigs, but you know, in terms of political gigs, no. But I actually am thinking, you know, more about about that. I may have something to offer hmm. through music to, you know, to contribute to how I feel. I mean, I think like a lot of people, I kind of feel like I got to do something. You know, I, I feel like I I need to be a part of a solution or at least you know support people who feel a similar way that I do. Sure. And, uh, and, and, and this can, this may be a way that I can, that I can contribute something. So, you know, I'm, I'm got a couple ideas and a couple projects in mind relative to music and, and, uh, and advocacy. No, no. Hey, yeah. I'm curious how you feel about the risk of, I mean, you know, there's, there's the people with whom it will resonate that you will bring in, and then the people with with whom it will absolutely not resonate, who well, you you're, may shut you're absolutely out, right. right. Yeah. And, yeah. and th- this is part of the question is like, do you feel your music is your art and you need to be true to it and need to be true to yourself? Do you feel that music is your living? Right. And you need to be, you know, smart about how you how you caretake that that process. And, and uh, it is something I'm giving a lot of thought to. I mean, because, you know, these things tend to get very. <laughs> flammable very, very, yeah 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 combustible <laughs> yeah that's a good way of looking at it but yeah. you know I, right now you know i kind of feel called to you know use music to to support a, 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 a moral stance that i feel sure you know? so but i don't know yet i'm, I'm thinking it through but that's yeah. what i was asking is you know if you got called to you know play for side a or side b right now and you brought it to your band i don't want to put you on a spot or you know ask what your band would do right but, right um but, uh, you know, do you think it'd be a no brainer to gig? Let's take it. That's the other thing about a lot of these yeah, things. Is I, I would. They're, it, they're often free. And so now you're asking a guy who might be against his principles to do something for free. And that's that's kind of a weird thing as well. I I think for free, I would uh, almost certainly say no, uh, like too risky, not worth it. I, I can't I I can't just go to people and say I'm doing this gig because it pays really well. So I don't care which side it's for right i i have what i've often said perhaps is is just um you know something with my dna i experience no emotional reaction to national politics whatsoever never have like Uh like zero zero it could be that i you know i'm crazy and i wear a tinfoil hat and i believe in conspiracy theories and all that other stuff but um but for whatever reason, like I have, I just have no emotional reaction. I have a lot of logical reactions on 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 either side, and I'm actually happy to talk about it. Not here because it's the wrong place. <laughs> well, but you know, but I'm happy to talk about it. So, so for me, it wouldn't be this necessarily. And again, you know, you know, I you can't make a blanket. I can't make a blanket statement about this because if it's some you know rally that's in support of you know stabbing people or something well okay no i'm not you know i don't care which side that's for i'm not going to do it right so it would it would for me be very uh dependent on the specific context of it and how like what that particular issue means to me but um but i think for free it's like that's too risky there's no reason to do that um 
you know, unless again, I mean, if somebody asked me to play the inauguration, dude, sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's like, it's good exposure for the band. Let's go. But I, but in it, would I have felt differently? Would I have responded the same way the you know, the Springsteen cover guys did possibly like, like, okay, this sounded like an awesome thing. And you have to understand what this looks like on paper. Like you get to play the presidential inauguration. That's great. Now that we're in it, let me tell you, the paper looks a little different, you know? <laughs> so, and that seems to be what they came to too. So I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say, man. It's one of those forks in the road you come to occasionally when you're a working musician. Yeah, it is. Is it about principles or is it about money? And um, or or can the two coexist? And right, so, right, right. It's kind of an interesting thing. But anyway, your other question. Yeah, I played last weekend. We did a club gig. Um, you know, this in the winter time we have three clubs that we. One of them is every month. The other two are every six weeks. And so you know we'll have we'll have two or three club club dates a month yeah. now. And um, it was uh, kind of a wild night. A lot of people behaving badly in their own way. Uh, <laughs> Always um, happens. You know, it was one of those funny things where at the end of the night, the bouncers came up and, you know, I'm waiting to get paid. I'll say, hey, how was your night? He goes, weird. He goes, <laughs> he goes no, no, no violence. But That's good. a lot of people got really drunk and a lot of people just were behaving strange. And we'll just leave it at that. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, well, there's um, the fighter. Well, the fighter love uh, crowd. Like I always feel like when a crowd gets too amped up, it goes one direction or the other and they yeah. want to fight or they want to have love. And, and typically that's, that's hope for that one. Yeah. yeah, you right. Well, but the have love thing can get equally weird if not everybody, especially, you know, the, the, I don't want to say target, but that's the word I'll use. You know, if, if one person chooses, they want to have love with someone who doesn't want to have love back with them, you know, then you have violence. Well, violence or, yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't go quite that far, but it can just get <laughs> awkward. Like, oh, nope, that's not going to work out. Sorry. You know? Yeah. But this was kind of a fun club date. Um, my buddies from the Coffus Brothers who we had on the show yeah. stopped by and it was nice to see those guys. Nice. And they have they have a new record coming out and their career continues to do better and better and better, which is We fun. should have them back on. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're really good guys. Cool. And uh, I still really dig their music. And cool. um, this time of year, there's a couple of things going on with the house rockers. One is we're learning a lot of new material. We're like we're really pushing this amount of years in the band. You know, I, I think it's good for the band. I think it's good for the audience. I think, you know, it keeps everything fresh. Yeah. New, new material is the food, you know, that the air, the oxygen that, that keeps uh, that keeps the band evolving. So we're pushing hard. And I actually, I, it's an interesting story for me to bring up. I actually may be pushing too hard, right? So I, I usually, about six days before rehearsal, I'll, I'll make a Slack post and says, here's what we'll be working on the next rehearsal. Please come prepared, you know, that type of thing. And um, I'll post either YouTubes or MP3s of the songs we're going to do. And if there's horn charts involved, I'll work with whoever's charting the, the horn chart. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a little overzealous right now. And I got the message from a couple guys that, you know, it's we got to chill and got to get through stuff before we start moving on. I tend to push like when we're 75 percent ready on a song, I'll start getting another song introduced and, you know, two or three of these at once are going on. And so, um, yeah, I mean, have you ever had that where you've actually had to tell a leader, you know, we're not getting through what we have. So let's, let's slow down on more stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's more just a, yeah, like you said, it's a timing thing. Um, it, it, you know, waiting, waiting until something is a hundred percent to bring the next thing in is I think I feel sort of universally way too late. Right. Because, 
because it's possible that whatever you bring in isn't going to stick. And now you don't have the next thing. Right. So you've got to You've got to start trickling these things out at some point. Is 75 percent too early? It, again, it, I think it depends on the band and how much is going on. You know, 50 50 yeah. percent might be too early. Twenty five percent maybe universally too early. I don't know. But I think it depends on the band. Um, what what I what bothers me and we deal with this in fling all the time is like on the day of rehearsal, two hours before rehearsal, getting, you know, an email about, oh, here's a song I'd like to try tonight. It's yeah, like, that's not I, like, yeah, you know, it's just not functional. It 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 changes rehearsal into practice. Right. Where I, I, I feel like there's those are two very different concepts like. I am going to practice the parts that I need to know. So I am ready for rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, You know, because if I have to practice my parts and you then multiply that, if you've got five guys in the band, you might need to multiply it by five. Right. But let's say one person brings the song in. So hopefully they know it, you know, so now you got to multiply it by four. It's just a waste of collective time. Except for this, I think, and you know, I find this, and I'm reminded of this often. Yep. As a cover band, we rarely jam. We really just sit down and start playing. Yes. And when we do, I'm reminded how fun it can be, and how you know, good an exercise for connecting totally. musicians it is. And so, every once in a while, not jam, but I might bring in like a really, really simple song, and I'll just start the riff. And you know, it's usually something that I'm fairly sure um, the rhythm section, at least will have a, a at least a vague understanding of the band, but it's got to be bone dead simple and something that you can just kind of vamp over. And that's a good exercise for a band. I think it's, it's uh, you get, you can get very mechanical about just learning cover songs, right? You can totally. Get, oh yeah. You know, yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. No, you gotta have jam time. Yeah. And you're right. A song. The only time where that gets a little weird is if somebody brings a song in and, and you're absolutely right. That just like, I do find that playing through a song once with the band, even just stumbling through it, like, you know, everybody takes two minutes, you know, we listen to enough of it to be like, okay, yeah, that's how this is going to go. All right, let's play through it once. Let's see if that's going to stick. And then let's, and then let's move on to to other stuff. Right. That's valuable, but that's not jamming, right? That's just, that's just a process that with fling we've, we've found does kind of work. And it's a nice way to sort of address that. Hey, I brought a song in. I'd like to try it. Okay. But let's not go spend an hour on it. You know, let's, let's just see if it's close enough that with a little bit of work, we can all make it go. But, um, but jamming is great. The problem when I've experienced, when you turn that, I brought a song in into an excuse to just jam is if the the frustration of the person who brought the song in, because it's possible to take this thing and stretch it out and, and just like not really be playing the song anymore. You know, yeah. it's like, we'll take the chord structure and then let's just play around with it and see what happens. That's great time. But if somebody feels strongly about, no, I, I like, I want this song to be the way it was on the record. And now we're just like goofing with it. Like, okay, serving two different purposes, two different masters tugging the wrong way. That can be frustrating. So you just gotta, you gotta be clear about the intentions of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. Yeah. Oh, I meant to tell you something. Here's, yeah, here's something funny. So, um, I got a call from a friend of mine. He's a, he's a listener and he's been a listener, you know, for a long time. And he's, uh, someone I used to play some music with and, and great guy. And, um, he said something to me on the phone the other day, which is something other people have said to me. 
and he was listening. I can't remember what episode it was, but he goes, yeah, I was catching up on all my gig gabs. And it was the one where you and Dave finally disagreed on something. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. I said, but actually that's kind of pretty accurate. Like much, much about music. We're kind of aligned and, you know, this is this kind of vibe of two buddies catching up on stuff. So it's not like we're out there looking for contentious material to podcast. So no, but sometimes, I mean, when we disagree, we're happy to say that we disagree. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. I've, I, um, I, 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 I'm almost betting that, that, um, people listening right now would be going, yeah, those guys are just two good friends. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That's right. Yeah. So disagreements are, are largely, um, uh, respectful, you know, and, because, and philosophical. Yeah. And philosophical, except for when you're totally wrong. And then my God, you know, or you are, <laughs> Hey, um, so I've been doing some uh, acoustic gigs with Amanda Dane. Uh, she's a, a songwriter, but a guitar player and singer. And we play mostly covers, actually, in some of her originals. And, and it's just her on guitar and, and vocals and me on the cajon, the pitch slap, if you will. I love that pitch slap thing, by the way. Um, if I, I, I can't talk enough about it, that's actually not why I brought this up. But it's a tabletop cajon from pitch slap percussion that they... Uh, put a guitar strap on so I can stand up and play this thing. Absolute. Oh gosh. It like it, it's so perfect for these acoustic gigs. It's just, and other, I've seen other companies now kind of following this and, and creating their own. But anyway, um, I started using with, uh, I started experimenting with the Mackie reach recently. Mackie sent me one to, to test out. I've used it. It, you know, I'm really kind of blown away by this thing. It, it's, um, it's one of these, if for those of you that don't know, the, the Reach is a tower, right, that you put on. It doesn't come with a speaker stand. You could get one with it, of course, if you wanted. But um, you, you put it on uh, on a speaker stand, but it's just a tower. And it's it's one of these all-in-one things. So it's the mixer. It's the, the, the signal processor, all of that um, built in. And it's built to spread sound around the room and kind of in the in the vein of the original Bose tower, which, of course, there's there's many versions of that now out, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, the cool part about the Mackie thing, or at least the, the thing that they pitch to you is the cool part is the, these side monitor speakers, right? So it's got all the full range speakers on the front and a pretty big spread, like 150 degree spread or something. And then you can turn on individually or, or simultaneously these two additional high end speakers that, that fill in the side. So you can use them as monitors or just to spread the sound even further around the room. And, uh, and that monitor thing works well. It, I'm I'm impressed with just what one speaker can do, but it Where makes did you set the speaker when you're playing to the side of you. Yeah, like, we like actually a, like a main almost had it. Yeah, you, we did it that way once and then we had it kind of in between us uh, almost at, at one point, And that that worked well, too. It's been um, it's it it's uh, it's a cool little thing. What the to me, the thing that's great about it is so many of these towers only have like two inputs, two microphone inputs and. For a duo, that's never enough, it, no. it, right? And so, what I like about the the reach is it's got it's got four full uh, combo inputs, so it's it's either you know XLR or quarter inch, and uh, and you can mix it right on the thing, or you can mix with your iPhone. It connects Bluetooth, and uh, and the app works similarly to the Mackie DL series of stuff, right? The the DL. Mixers. It's not the same app though, because that app uses Wi-Fi. This app uses Bluetooth. Yeah. But um, but I you know I found it works really well. It's got a decent feedback rejection thing in it. Uh, that it, it's pretty good. 
it's less way less configurable than the uh, than the DL series mixer, but it sounds good. It's easy to use. Um, yeah. So my input on this is so yeah. there's a lot of these now. So yep. And a lot of really interesting, you know, like Turbo Sound, which is pretty high end stuff. They have they have one of these towers, you know, these arrays. Yeah. I guess is what it is. Fishman has a really cool new one that came out. I've been using the bows for many years. And I'm really happy with it, except, you know, if someone comes out with something lighter and easier, more portable, you know, it's got my attention. So I used the Mackie Reach and I liked it a lot. Um, and yes, the, you know, the monitor aspects are, are really interesting to fill the room. The thing about the bows that gets me, you know, still I, is, uh, is the best part of it is this tone match technology. And I don't understand why any of the other people don't have that. So tone match is this little four channel mixer that is made for the Bose L1s. Yep. And in addition to it being a four channel mixer, um, it's got a whole bunch of functions on it. Um, one is it, it comes um, with uh, presets for many popular microphones, many popular acoustic guitars, many popular instruments, and, you know, does everything, you know, puts a little bit of reverb, puts a little bit of delay, puts a little bit of compression, and, you know, it, things sound great. And I have to say, the bow sounds really good right out of the box. Um, and then this tone match just kind of gives it a, a your sound a layer of polish and professionalism that really, you know, I, I, I rely on it quite a bit. You can technically... Um, use the tone match mixer and plug it into other things. Sure. Um, I did that and it, it didn't quite feel the same. I did that at actually a big gig, um, uh, you know, like a big outdoor gig where sound was provided and um, it did, it wasn't quite the same. The warmth, you know, wasn't exactly the same. So, yeah. um, but I agree. The Mackie is a really cool product, really, really aggressively priced. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's probably the best deal out there. JBL has an Eon model now, I think, you know, in this in this array. I right? used, There's a lot of them. Yeah, I used the JBL. I'll pull up which one it was. We we used one of those at a, at a recent gig, too, just to check it out. The Eon 208P, yep. which is kind of this all-in-one thing. It's two speakers, uh, and we actually put one up for the front and, and then one down as a monitor. And, and that sounded great, too. Uh, again, for, you know, for full range inputs, which which is really, you know, anytime it doesn't matter how many inputs you have, you always want two more. Right. I mean, that's just how it works. But uh, so Psychotus brings a, an eight channel mixer. He just he has one in his car all the time. Yep. And, and you know, he plays two guitars uh, when Acoustic Madness plays. And right. so he always needs it. So he's just, you know, uses one of the inputs on our bows and he just plugs. Yeah. He goes he goes into his mixer and then and then out it goes. So. Yeah, that, I, I, that's I, the thing is, is, and, and I noticed it's funny you mentioned the, the Bose tone match because with the reach, that was the thing that I missed. Like it, it, it has its mixer. It has some effects, but it's all very simple. And I, they also, I, they have all that stuff. So I, all, you know, it's that's in the, the thing it's in there. Like yeah. I, I am what I missed massively. As soon as we started playing, it was like, Oh like the guitar was, you know, we had our guitar and it sounded good, but there's no compression in this thing. And I, I understood very quickly how spoiled I've become using that DL mixer uh, from Mackie, the DL 1608. But you could use the 806. I mean, it doesn't matter um, the, it, you know, these are like full, fully uh, modifiable mixers with, you know, you can totally tune your compression. You can totally tune your reverb and all that. And without having any compression in this thing, it's like, oh, man, I want that. Like, I, I want it just to smooth out the sound. 
And and so, yeah, my my thought was, well, this reach is great. I'll bring in the other mixer and just, you know, feed it yeah. from one of the channels. They have like three presets on the, on yeah. the right? There's like songwriter or yeah. DJ, right? Exactly. But it's like. It, and it, that's EQ. That's, it, really that's EQ, right? There's no, there's no compression, at least none that you can control. And it didn't really feel like there was any anyway. There might be some limiting on the channels uh, to keep it from overdriving. But otherwise, there's really no compression. And it's like, and I mean, I, I, I got to reach out to, to Ben at, at Mackie and just ask him like, dude, is it possible? Is this, is the processor in there enough that, you know, you could add some of these DL features to this thing if people were willing to do it? I get why you want to like pitch these things as simple, easy, but for those of us that want more. But the tone match thing is simple and easy. That's like what I I'm said, saying. You know, yeah, you, it's right you there. You go to, but it, know, that's just a mixer. Beta 58. Yeah, right. But that's just a, I mean, that's a, the tone match is, is just a mixer, right? I mean, it's, it's a mixer that's, that's, that's got some cool features and is built for the, for the bows. But like you said, no, you there's more than anything. That, yeah. No, there, there's, it's just a mixer. It mixes, yeah. but it's also got all the sound processing. No, that's what I'm saying. It's a, stuff. it's a, right. It's a mixer with a processor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, it has a built-in tuner, which is kind of a cool oh, thing. That's cool. It's, you know, for a guitar player, you know, if you're plugged right into the tone match, which you might be if you're an acoustic guitar player. Right. And it, there's there's a tuner and there's two different types of EQ and, you know, a bunch of different types of delay and a bunch of different types of reverb. Yeah. And you can you can save different settings on this thing. So if you play in a trio, if you play in a duo, you can you know save scenes and and, um, and be, you know, it's really pretty plug and play. And it's something that I think is the biggest. That's what comes to mind the most. You know, the Mackie has a lovely sound and it's warm and, and all the type of thing, as sure. is the Bose. You know, I've played other ones which are a little bit more brash. You know, yeah. not, they don't work from a natural EQ standpoint for me. But I agree that the Mackie's cool. My wish list for that would be, and again, it's priced really, really good. Yeah, it's and like that's what, the thing, it, Bose. It, I mean, retail is what, seven ninety nine for yeah. the Mackie. And, and it does. It gets you the wireless mixing. I mean, that that's cool. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's really Bose cool. Bose is going to be, you know, up at the $1,800. Right. You know, it's, it's right. way at the other end and, and all the others kind of fall mostly in between. Yep. But, um, but I think the thing that puts the, the Bose over the top is, is, you know, the, yeah. the tone match and, and it's natural sound is very good, but it, I don't it know it's a thousand dollars better right. than, than Aki. Yeah. I feel like, but that, and that's the thing is like, I mean, the tone match isn't cheap. That's like 500 bucks all by itself. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like it, that, there's some there's more this reach is capable of more than they're letting me do with it right now you, you know just because of the software yeah, it's I, been out what about it's been out about a year yeah maybe so they, they might be you know the i mean last year yeah it was the end of last year that's right yeah 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 so i yeah i gotta i gotta find out like how far could they push this thing if they wanted to because because it would be nice to have it all built into it sure, and not have to just bring another mixer, you know, and, and set that up. It'd be great yeah. if it could just be all be on my phone and or my iPad, whatever. And, and you know, and then I'm good. So, yeah, it's that technology stuff. is really cool stuff. I it's mean, it cool. does fill a room. Yeah. You know, I'd say up to about 200, 250 people. You know, you really have remarkable sound, you know, as opposed to just bringing a small PA that you might've had two or three years ago, which can be okay. Right. But if you want simplicity and plug and plug and play, um, these array things are really cool. I've, I'm a big fan. I keep looking at them. The Fishman one has my eye. That's the next one I want to play. So I've played that one too. Cause Amanda, <laughs> Amanda has one. Yeah, we've done, we've played all the of newest these. One, the three thirty. Uh, which one does she have? I can find they out. They just revved it. Okay. Then it's probably not the, 
the most recent one, but um, but I, I was impressed with that too. That that one only has the one she had only had two inputs, and so it might be the three thirty because that's only got two inputs on it, right? Two microphone inputs, which is it's just not enough. Um, yeah, it's I'm, enough for one guy. It's enough for a singer songwriter. It's enough for one person. That's right. Yeah, but that's kind of the funny thing when Bose came out with these. Remember, they, they were they were actually marketed as you should have one per person. Per, per, yeah, they, for an electric band, like a full right. electric band. Yeah, everybody Which, just has their own. That's right. I don't think people. I don't. I don't know any electric bands that ever went that way because you know the, the I, thing was I do. It's your mains and your monitors. I played and, electric gigs with Kelly with one of those things. Uh, how many just people in the band? One four piece, full rockin'. Uh, you know, guitar, bass, drums, and 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 Kelly was singing, but she's like a powerful singer doing How big like a room? Zeppelin, um, bigger than we should have been doing with just that thing. Yeah, it's the it's the SA three thirty X that uh, that I used with a with a Fishman. Yeah, the Fishman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it, it does the the Bose thing wasn't enough to do like a full band. I mean, it was it was barely enough, but it was weird. I don't know. You know, and feedback was a problem because we had to drive the things like to its limit, you know, and yeah. we were using it as a monitor. So it was behind the microphones. Yeah. That's great for an acoustic. Game. That's it how they said you totally should be fine. able to use it, though. I know. Uh-huh. That's what, that's what they originally said. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I think that's one of the things with Bose is, you know, they, there's a lot of great technology with Bose, but they kind of push the marketing edge on a lot of things and it justifies their kind of premium or they push the marketing edge to justify their premium price on some right. things. Again, right. I love my bows, but you know, but a thousand bucks different from some of the competitors is is quite a bit. It's it's a lot, yeah. I mean, right when you got your bows, you didn't really have kind of the the uh, the number of choices that you would have if you were out buying one of these things today. Yeah, yeah. I, I was impressed with it. I got to say that JBL the two hundred eight P. I mean, it's very in terms of what we're talking about here. It's very old school in terms of the mixer. I mean, it's all just like big knobs. There's no. Uh, crazy electronics on it or anything uh, in terms of, you know, digital controls. It does have the ability to pair your phone with Bluetooth. So yeah. can you so, add a sub to it? Cause I should be fair to say that that $1,800 uh, price for the Bose is because it comes with a sub. It's another thing to carry. It's you know, all that type of stuff, but it does really make this the, sound richer. There, there's a sub out on the, on the Eon 208 P that you could use. It doesn't come with it, but um but you can you can drive one out of it, and I was impressed with that thing. It it worked. Uh, it was easy to get kind of get a decent sound out of, and and I'll say this: if I um, the, the the reach with the monitor was cool, but putting the one you know one of the JBL speakers up and then one down on the floor as kind of a you know a foldback monitor in front of you way different experience for me. I prefer the foldback monitor. So, uh, you know, yeah. but, the, but, but again, that, that only was evident in a being it like the reach was fully functional and we could hear everything was fine. But then the next week when we had the, you know, the monitor on the floor in front of us, Amanda and I looked at each other. It was like, okay, we just need to do this every time. <laughs> Even if it means, you know, we, we run a channel out of, of the reach or out of the fishman or whatever it is. We just put a monitor on the floor. It's just not that big of a deal to, you know, to, I have them. Just bring one, plug it in. You're done. So, yeah. 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 It's fun stuff though. I, you know, I like, um, I like experimenting with these things. So yeah, the Bose is the only one that I haven't used other than with you. Um, but I haven't used recently. Uh, and you liked it when you played with me. Absolutely. Oh yeah. That tone match thing is cool. 
It, it's because it's like the it's like having a real mixer, because as it turns out, it's a real mixer and it's got <laughs> well, it's got all those features that let you kind of tune your sound the way you might want to, as opposed to, you know, here's here's three, uh, three tone controls per channel, you know, high, mid, low, have fun. You know, it's got trim control, which I find is really important to get microphones the, to, yeah. to respond the right way. Like the JBL doesn't have any trim control. The Mackie doesn't have any trim control. That's obvious. Maybe it, you know, again, maybe there's some automated stuff happening in either one of these, but um, yeah. 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 So it's fun. I like it. Um, what else do we have? Oh, I, so I'm doing a show. Uh, it's, it's kind of, remember that bitter pill thing I did back in the fall. Yep. It's, it's with, so that was concocted by essentially two teams of people, uh, my friend, Billy Butler. And then these guys that call themselves the Mad Men, Ben and Brandon, um, Bill, it was Billy's music. And then collectively kind of the three of them came up with a lot of the sort of the vibe of the show and all that. And it was amazing. It was very well received. There's been some rift between Billy and the Mad Men, and I'm not even going to get into how ridiculous that is. But anyway, uh, Billy and the Mad Men is an awesome band name. By I the know. Way. If only. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe I'll suggest that because Billy's doing another version of Bitter Pill like in April or something that I'm going to play drums for. But it's not with the Mad Men. And then the Mad Men have been doing this thing every once a month called Madhouse, where they do something similar, but obviously without Billy's music because they're not working with Billy. Then it's been like different cover tunes. Uh, they did one in January that I couldn't do, but I'm doing the, this next one, which is actually happening on Valentine's Day. And it's all very, it's one of these things that comes together very, very quickly. There's one rehearsal. It's almost like a rock gig in terms of kind of that, but it's, it's songs that are uh, represented in, in with, with acting and, and dancing and, you know, sear wheels and tap and like all this crazy stuff. Right. And, and it'll be fun. They were having trouble getting a guitar player that they liked for this gig. And so that opened up their doors like the normal guitar player that works with them um, can't do it. And so I've suggested a couple because I, I, I'm hoping that we can actually have a real guitar. Last time they couldn't get the drummer. They wanted me. So they tracked the drums. I think tracking tracking. I mean, it, it can be great tracking guitar. I'm not I mean, it'll. I'm sure it'll be fine, but it's, you know, kind of weird. But I think regardless of whether we have a real guitar player, they've now, because they opened the door to doing tracking for this Valentine's Day gig, I think some songs, at least, perhaps all, will have a track of something using odd instruments that, you know, that they can't uh, have actually people playing in the room. And yeah. so as soon as they told me about that it was going to be tracked, I was like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. How are we going to deal with that? Because it, it, I, I'm going to need to hear a click in order to play with tracks, like you can't just play the track in my ears and hope that I'll stay in time with it. Like rarely does a track contain enough consistent musical information to keep someone locked in, you know? So it's like, all right, you got to put a click on this and that's its own little technical challenge, but I, I think we'll, we'll deal with it uh, in terms of just getting the click in one channel and then not the other. But, um, but it's going to be interesting playing these songs that I am, very under rehearsed on or as a band we're under rehearsed i mean at best we will get one run through of this and so playing these songs with a click not having had enough opportunity to really identify where the trouble spots might be and where we need to pay more attention and all that it's going to be very interesting so <laughs> i'm sure i'll have a story to, or two to tell about that as yeah so i have evolves. lots of questions about this because yeah. i see um a lot of bands especially 
bands that are playing hip hop or, you know, kind of more music of the last 10 or 15 years. Sure. I see drummers with headphones on at live gigs, covered, cover drummers, cover bands. Yeah. What, what is that whole thing with it, with a click? I mean, can any drummer, should any drummer be able to just do that because it's a, you know, your life is time anyway. And so you should be able to just kind of like, you know, it's just a guidepost or is it, is the stringency of playing to a click stressful for a drummer who's not done it before? What What's the whole thing about playing to a, a click? So you asked three different questions. The first two were, can, can, <laughs> every, can every drummer uh, play to a click and should every drummer be able to play to a click? I'm going to ignore the second one for a moment and just answer and perhaps forever so as not to levy judgment. But, uh, <laughs> but so now you know the answer. Uh, but the the first one, can every drummer play to a click? No, if you and, and I would say, it, you know, in this scenario, I would uh, that I'm describing, I would absolutely say the only person on stage that should be hearing the click is the drummer, I, I think, uh, you, you know, because. Everybody else can lock in with with whatever they hear the drummer playing and can can, you know, go back to that. But if everybody's hearing the click and the drummer gets off, now you have a battle happening, you know. So can every drummer do it? No, you need experience. And can every musician do it? No. If you don't have experience playing, it doesn't matter how great you are. If do you, you rehearse to a click? All, do you, like, do you practice? the time. I, I have since I was like 14 years old. Yeah. My, my drum teacher, John Catrone forced me to do it with the first, my first private lesson I walked in and he has like whole notes on the, uh, you know, on the, on the music stand, you know, and I'm like, Oh man, no, no, no. I know how to do this. You know, I know I, I've been playing for a little while. I know how to do whole notes. Like we can, he's like, let's just do it with a click. And so he starts the click up and it's like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Wherever you want to go with this man, you're, you're good. You take me on the path. And so <laughs> since that day, yeah, I, I mean, I don't always practice with a click, but, um, but, you know, often, uh, you know, more than 50% of the time, especially yeah. if I'm just playing, if I'm playing along to songs or whatever, then I'm, I'm playing along to the song. And if it was recorded with a click, then yes, I'm effectively playing with a click. If not, no, but, um, but practicing on my click own. To fling? What's that? You ever need to play with a click to fling? So we not live, but when we recorded those uh, those five songs and then we've started recording some new ones. Yeah, I, I record I record to a click. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it makes it makes the assembly process of the song easier when when you've got a click. But what does that mean? Well, you know, we've, we're tracking things. Right. And I record the drums. It's easier if I can then send that track, you know, if Russ is going to record at his house or even if somebody's going to record here, knowing that, okay, the beginning of this measure is always the beginning of this measure and it's not this nebulous thing. It's much easier to kind of assemble things and say, all right, we want to take, you know, this guitar lead and copy it from here to there, you know, whatever. We can just do that and we know that the whole song is in time with itself. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't do that. It, it would be too much trouble. Like if I, if I had no experience playing with a click, then it would just be better not to do that. I, I just happen to do have you ever out of curiosity when you um, like record live gigs, yeah. do you ever like for a self check, see with, with a beat per minute are at the beginning of a gig, uh, beginning of a song. And, and, and if you, if you sense that the song drifts a little bit, you ever, are you ever curious to find out how much of a drift you have? Always. Song? Oh yeah. Do you do that? Do you, do you actually, you know, take out a, a meter and, and yeah. uh, 
Yeah, That's of course. I, and we'll do it in rehearsal, too. You know, we'll start a tune and just kind of trying to find, like, where's this? where should this sit? <clears throat> and uh, and then we'll see where we drift to. Yeah, of course. And when I did the first incarnation of Bitter Pill, I didn't listen to a click, but we had one tune that Billy added uh, right kind of at the end of the of the process. And then I changed from playing hand drums on it, I think, for the first two performances to playing full drum set. We just happened to jam on it once, before, you know, in like pre-show. And I was over on the drum, so I just stayed there and played it over there instead, kind of this tribal thing. And uh, everybody, we were all like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's much better than just playing on like a Dumbeck or something. So, so I stayed on it, but it meant that the time feel changed because instead of when I'm playing on a hand drum, the acoustic guitar is the drummer, right? Driving the time when I'm playing on drum set, I'm driving the time. And I was, yeah. I, and I pushed it too much, you know, the first night and that we did it that way. And he's like, well, that was too fast. And I was like, okay, well, let, before the show, you know, tomorrow let's find that tempo and I'll just do a visual metronome. Cause I had my iPad to kind of guide me through. And so I did, you know, we set it to one ten or whatever it was. And, uh, and, you know, I would just get a visual flashing to give myself the count. And I was like, okay, now I know where to go. And I'd play along with that. And I only had it go for like 10 measures or something so that I could lock in. And then, and then, I, and then I didn't worry about it. Wherever it drifted from there was fine. But I had a rest after that tune. So I would always go back and play the click again and watch it flash and see, okay, how far. Like I know in my head where we just ended the song. You know, where, where did we wind up? Did we push it? Yeah, yeah that kind of thing. So I – um. I don't play to a click. I did one time. Well, I probably have, I've dabbled with it, but I, I recorded for um, someone's Christmas album mm. uh, last, not this Christmas, but the past Christmas. And it was just uh, me and an acoustic guitar. And they said, do you want to click? And I was like, I guess I'm supposed to. So I, I'll try it. And it is a weird thing. The, the stiffness of the, of the time is, is a, uh, is a strange thing if you're not used to it. I think, you know, I got about, I got about halfway through a song and was not feeling comfortable with it. And you know, then it got in my head. And mm. so I wasn't able to finish, but um, uh, I do practice with a metronome. So like, you know, I do scales to a metronome, that type of thing. But, but um, yeah, playing live a full song, you know, not, not a scale, but like playing right. a, you know, telling a story to a, to a click is, is a, is a bit of a weird thing. What are your tips? If, uh, if you're a drummer and you're an experienced drummer, but you just don't have a lot of experience, seems to me like you got to relax. You really have to just, well, that's you know, the key. You just have to get, and it's, it's repetition, right? You just have to get used to it. And, and eventually, and, and this happens for me sometimes and not all the time. Uh, eventually you'll get to the point where the click, you know, becomes your friend is really what everybody kind of says. And it's true. It becomes this thing where, you aren't worried about it anymore because you know, the click is there for you. So you just kind of play to it. And then, and then you, and then kind of that freedom that you were talking about missing actually becomes even more free because you don't have to worry about the time. I'm just like, well, the clicks there. So I'll just play yeah. to that. That's easy, but it's not easy to get there. And the first thing you'll experience as you, as you go through this, and I really recommend starting with a simple groove you know, and this would be true on any instrument. Like, don't try and like come up with the most rhythmically I intricate part that you can just like play a simple groove and get a feel for what it's like to actually play in time, because you may never have experienced that, you know, or at least not consistently. It, it I, And I don't know. Right. Maybe you do all the time. Maybe Joe is like a, a rock. Right. And, and so you're used to that. But, you know, maybe not. And maybe, you know, for anybody, it, you don't know until, you know. 
And so getting used to playing with it and then you'll experience this thing. The first thing you'll get is where you bury the click, where you no longer hear the click anymore. And that's when you're just like totally locked in with it. And that, that, that's an interesting feeling like, oh, yeah, I'm not thinking about the click. I'm not even hearing it. It's just like right on it. And that's a good place to get to because you start to feel it in your body, like what it's like to just walk into a groove and play in time. And Well, you know, time is time is an interesting thing. I, I don't think I've ever told you this. We actually the second drummer for the House Rockers. So we're going back 15 years. Mm. He we fired him because I fired him because um, he had this terrible tendency to, to speed up after fills. And um, yeah. and the horn players hated it because they couldn't solo over what he was doing. Right. They, you know, they never knew what to expect. Sure. And, you know, time is I guess time to a drummer is like playing in tune to a guitar player. It is the basic thing that you need to do to not get called out. Right. Yep. I mean, it is. Uh, and it is one of those things that seems to cause, uh, you know, again, if someone's out of tune on stage, it causes obvious consternation. If time is wrong on stage, it causes obvious consternation. And so it, it, it's an interesting thing. It makes sense. I guess as someone who doesn't know or have a lot of experience with a click, it feels like um, in in rock music that there's a certain permissible drift. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, is, I feel there? that way. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, there's times. Keep it from being too mechanical. There's times when, certainly there's times when we drift and I don't notice it. I, I am not perfect because I, I don't obsess about being perfect. And, some, and, it, and I think in every band, you come up with your own sort of accept, uh, uh, acceptable fudge factor in terms of the timing, the acceptable drift. And every band has it. And it usually normalizes on, you know, whatever the most picky person's, uh, you know, uh, preferences are. And in fling, that is not me, believe it or not. Tuning wise, absolutely. If a guitar is out of tune, I'm the first guy to like stop and say, no, 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 no. We got to fix this. <laughs> but but in terms of time, I'm not the pickiest guy. It's Burke, our bass player. And and he will. And he's he's very capable and, and uh, he notices when we have drift. And he's happy to point it out. And it's like, okay, yep, no problem. I'll just Have be you seen that um, there's a wearable that's been advertised that is uh, it, it looks like a wristwatch, but it's instead of a, a watch on the face, um, it's a blinking light and you can actually set the beats per minute. And yeah. so it's a, it's a time wearable. Would you use one of those? So that's similar to what I experienced with with Bitter Pill, because what I just did the flashing, you know, count in or whatever I, you could I could never play a song in its entirety. Yeah. Or even looking at any light, even if the light was like on glasses, you know, on my face, it, it's, I need to hear it. I am not visually, it, it just doesn't work for me. Uh, huh. I mean, it's fine for a count off or whatever. That's fine. But instead, what, what if it was pulsing on you? I think it does that as well. Yeah. Maybe feeling it. Sure. That might, I, I'd have to experiment with that, but yeah. I, and I actually, I think somebody's written an app for the Apple watch that does that. Where it, it pulses. But again, I mean, you know, I'm using my hands. I, I, I don't know that I'd feel that enough it's separate from all the other sensations that I'm having. I, I don't know. I'd have to experiment. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but you're right. You need I, I, I am of the mind that it's good to have some level of drift um, in a in a in a rock band. To, to have some of that, but you can actually have some of that drift even within the confines of a click too. You can start playing behind the beat and really kind of moving things. And that's, that's where you can really learn about that stuff too. When you, when you get, you know, some even moderate level of comfort with a click, you can start to say, okay, what's it like to drag this a little and yet still stay 
technically in time, it can start getting interesting. I don't know. But I'm a little nervous about this show. Got to be honest. Um, because we're really, you know, basically show the, the night of the show will be the first time that we play this, uh, you know, straight through. I'm certain because we only have one rehearsal. So I know that's going to be a stop and start rehearsal. So I'm, I'm a little concerned because if it gets out, of it, you know, if one of the tracks gets out of sync, I was going to say, if one of the tracks gets out of sync with me, if I get out of sync with one of the tracks, <laughs> see how, see what I'm doing already painting the narrative. Um, I don't like, it's not, it's not always easy to get back in sync as it's a drummer, hard. as a drummer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause once you notice you're, you know, then, well, then do you, do you, do you slow down and wait or do you speed up and wait? Right. There's, right. Like your tack to get back on track. It, it sounds like a train wreck, right? Well, unless you unless you do a fill, right? I mean, well, and the fill, you <laughs> take know, up, take up space until you figure it take out. Take up space, like you know, it's time for a buzz roll. Okay, yeah. you know, I mean, that kind of thing. Like that's, but those are the things you learn in like in the moment. So I I know that trick. I know the buzz roll trick. I know you know you have to get nebulous in order to lock back in. Fine, okay. You know what other tricks are there? I'm, I have no doubt that on February fifteenth, I will I will have learned at least one more. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you. Here's the thing. You know these things that are challenges. These are good for us. I mean, for most bands, you know, especially the general business stuff. This is not pushing your chops very much. But right. those little those little incidences in life that make you kind of like take attention and push yourself farther than you think you can go. That's usually great. pay they pay tremendous dividends in all ways. I mean, we're doing. We just picked up "Smoke of a Distant Fire," which is not a terribly hard song to play, but it is a ridiculously specific song to sing. Hmm. And right. And, yeah. uh, you know, the vocals on that. Are, and it's just one of those things that pushes us. We've tried like Beach Boy stuff in the past and everybody is very particular about Beach Boy stuff. I mean, because you could hear the original harmonies in your head. And if it doesn't sound like that, it feels very weird with Beach Boy stuff. It's not stuff that you can kind of make your own. I don't right. think. Right. You know, no, I, I, it's, you're it's totally iconic. right. Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. 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 People know what it is. You got to get it right. So yeah. I, I, I'm all for pushing. Hey, I did want to share with you. You'll be happy about this. The uh, big finale for Nick's party, uh, his birthday party with all the bands yeah. is going to be a amalgam of all the bands playing Julius by Fish. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, a, this that's drummer a good I was little telling party about, song. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This drummer I was telling you about, he just, you know, that one, talk about drift. I think that one gets progressively faster as the song goes on, right? I think that happened intentionally in the studio and Fish did it too. Interesting. Maybe. No, maybe not. It might not. That might, we might not have, but it, it does live often with those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's an easy one to get faster because it's just got that kind of driving, you know, oh, don't take another step. Yep. Mm-mm-mm. Well, swings. Yeah. It swings. And there's so many of those upbeats, right? Not only in the vocal melody, but just in the kind of the rhythmic hits and upbeats are the thing that will drive a tempo fast uh, if you're not careful, you know? So. Uh, it should be fun, though. That should be it fun. It's a really fun song to play. It is. And again, yeah. we have four background singers and the full five-piece horn section. The House Rockers horns are are playing on it, and nice. it's a fun groove, and it swings. And, you know, again, a good a good drummer will just make that song pop. Yeah, right. Yeah, you just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a fun song. song. That's cool, man. That's great. So, That's great. All right, you got to send us videos or post videos, you know. We'll, yeah, we'll absolutely. Share around. Yeah, cool. All right, well, I think that does it. I think I've had enough. Have you had enough? <laughs> We've covered a lot of ground today. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, you can find us uh, giggabpodcast.com. And of course, our uh, our Facebook group always has some great discussions at giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. We would love to see you over there. 
What else do you have to tell him, Paul? Oh, we're talking guitars next week after two weeks of drums. I'll tell you that. All right. There you go. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Send us your thoughts about guitars. Feedback at gigapodcast.com. Always What's that thing you always sing? That's the one. That's the one. <laughs>